The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another episode of our Twitter Spaces live call-in show where we take your calls live here on Twitter Spaces, usually every Saturday morning of the off-season. You can just follow us at Pride of Detroit uh, for all things Detroit Lions and these awesome call-in shows. My name is Jeremy Reisman. Uh, you can find me at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. I am the managing... No, I'm not the managing editor. That's our next co-host. I am the producer and uh, Detroit Lions beat writer for PrideDetroit.com. Let's move right to the managing editor. He is at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How are we doing, man? I almost stole your title again. Well, I, I like how subconsciously you still wish you were in my role and not <laughs> in the responsible role that you are in now. So uh, it's... It's a, it's a nice Saturday morning. I'm excited to uh, to have this conversation. Let, let the record show you called me responsible. I Well, don't <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> uh, with us, as always, as our third member of the panel of this co-host, of this call-in show, I should say, is the senior editor of Pride of Detroit, is Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. I'm not sure where he, what he is on Spaces. It's something, I think it's real Ryan Matthews. Took it uh, on, th- on, threads. on Threads. That's what did I, what did I say. You said spaces, spaces but home. whatever. Spotify Live, spaces, Twitch, sure. you know, all that stuff. Uh, I'm an yeah, old man. Real, real Ryan Matthews. My first post was a picture of Malik Willis, just to confirm my identity. <laughs> it was like my version of a cat, my version of a caption. That's right. You know, to confirm that I'm a human and not a bot. Yeah. <laughs> Click so. on all the pictures of uh, Tennessee's Malik franchise Willis. quarterback. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's do this. Yeah. I'm excited. These are always fun. Um, and yeah, let's let's jump right into our callers. We've got a few requests here that we're going to get to. Uh, and of course, we got to start with our, our super fan, uh, the, the creator of his own uh, Behind the Dan podcast. Dan Pask is here. Dan, buddy, welcome to the show, man. Hi there, Jeremy. Um, happy post uh, fourth to everybody. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. Um, well, my question, I wrote it last night, so it wasn't because of Alex's article this morning, but it was along the same thing, and thankfully I did write it down for all the obvious reasons. But there's some people out there that have been sort of suggesting that maybe as uh, Cooper Cup was perhaps going to be traded by the Rams and how it would be good to maybe put him next to uh, Tamara. And I just, I, I think I'm sort of, I, I guess I wanted to put the question to you and not lead the witness too much, but like, if you had... A choice. It was neither or in this in this scenario, of uh, making a trade for um, Cooper Cup to join our wide receiver group 
uh, or Aaron Donald to join our interior defensive line group. Um, I don't know what the trades would be for that. I've seen lots of things thrown around everything else, but like, let's say it was a, a reasonable trade for both sides and stuff like that. Um, which would you prefer? Thanks. All right. A, a very succinct question from Dan this week. I appreciate that. Boy. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think you're getting at, I think, a, 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 a thing that is an increasing anxiety from Lions fans, which is the wide receiver room, especially in the first six weeks without Jameson Williams. And in fact, I, I heard the guys from uh, the, the athletic podcast, the uh, one of these years podcast talking about it. Like if Amonara goes down, this team is in kind of a boatload of trouble early on. Um, so yeah, what, what to you guys is maybe a more pressing need for this team right now? Is it another weapon at the wide receiver ranks or an Aaron Donald type uh, at the middle of your defense? I'll, I'll throw it to Ryan first. What do you think? I, I, I mean, I, I think for a while now it's just been like the Lions need that pocket pusher in the middle of their defense, right? Like that's the cheat code, it seems like, in the NFL. And that's what Aaron Donald supplies. The, the million-dollar question is like how much Aaron Donald, Donald are you getting, right? And and if the Lions were to make a move for him, you know, what what would it cost? Um, and, 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 and that kind of goes back to our conversation from last week, right, about the whole – are you are you ready to kind of change your approach to, um, you know, uh, how you're putting together this roster from from year to year? Are you thinking with uh, you know that Ozzie Newsome uh, kind of thought process where I'm building through the draft for year after year, sustained success, or am I going with the whole less need f them picks? But you know, we kind of talked a little bit about how you know maybe less need wasn't that way all the time either. So once you kind of are on the precipice of that success, how are you going to change your approach? I, I just think it's so important for the Lions to do that for their defense. Um, and I think that's just where I'm at with it. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I, you know, if I, I think if you're looking at this from a, from a team-building perspective, um, Aaron Donald's 32, but Cooper Cup is 30. Uh, they both cost uh, a fair amount Right. You're looking at like Cooper Cup has like a cap hit of like 17, three and Aaron Donald, 26. Um, but like if you can, if, you know, so so Cup does look like a, a slightly maybe better value. But like when you look at where this team is lacking, I agree with Ryan. It's it's that defensive line, especially in the middle. And Donald just has everything that that this team, you know, doesn't. Right. They're, they're hoping Aleem can take the next step. And, and be this interior penetrator, but um, you know, Aleem, Aleem has a different uh, a different skill set than, than than you know what Donald brings to the table, and they really don't have an Aaron Donald type. And really, I think it, it could be the difference. Like they're hope still hoping Levi comes back, right? But and hoping he can bring some of that you know smaller quick step uh, pass rush. But it, it it is one of the more glaring weaknesses on the team. So I, I agree with Ryan. I would. I would uh, side on taking your Donald in a trade. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm with all of you guys. I, I do think there is something to kind of the anxiety of the wide receiver room. In fact, I'm looking through some of the other questions we're getting on Twitter, and a lot of them are about like, what are we going to do at wide receiver? You know, is Corey Davis, Hunter Renfro, um, DeAndre Hopkins is, is always kind of hiding in the background there too, as well. And and I get it, right? Like they're they're they are heavily reliant on a guy like Amonra. Um, you, you do worry maybe that there's a little bit too much overlap with, with a guy like Cooper cup, I would think. Um, and, and, you know, we, 
we've said it all off season too. Like it's not just going to be about the wide receiving core with this team when it comes to their passing attack, right? They got Sam Laporta for a reason. They got Jameer Gibbs for a reason. Those guys are going to combine for probably a hundred catches at least. Um, And so, you know, it's important not to overlook that. And I think with both these moves, I think they're a little bit more short sighted than I think this team is looking to do right now, because like you said, both these guys are 30 plus, um, both these guys are still probably going to become very, pretty expensive when you trade for them, and they're going to become very expensive when it comes to your salary cap. And with a guy like Cooper Cup, when you're you're 30, like that is that is the dangerous age for wide receivers. And and PFF put out a recent study how, you know, receivers really your best value are like years two through five. And I know Cooper Cup is is well past that at this point, and it's still playing at a pretty high level. But I, I also have very serious doubts that the Rams for as much as they're they're overhauling Cooper Cup, I don't think is going to be part of those plans. I still he, think he's kind of in their long-term plans despite him being 30 because he signed through 2026. Um, whereas Aaron Donald is, I mean, who knows if he plays beyond 2023. Do you really want to spend a, a second or first round pick on that? Are you sure that Aaron Donald makes you a Super Bowl contender immediately enough to, to do that? That's why I think like these are conversations to maybe have at the trade deadline. Right now, I understand wide receiver is a more pressing need at the beginning of the season, maybe than it will be at the end of the season. But I don't, I don't particularly like the idea of trading for either of these guys right now. Can, can we elaborate more on this wide receiver concern? I, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's an overblown? overreaction. Oh yeah, it. it's overblown, to, Eric. Let's to, do it to, to Jameson uh, because, like, if we're looking at what this offense did last season, Amon Ra played sixteen of seventeen games. Um, Khalif Raymond played all 17, but Chark missed six games. Uh, uh, Josh Reynolds missed three games. Plus he was banged up for a couple. And, and so they were banged up a lot last year. And Jamison only played in six games and he only played like a handful of snaps in each of those six games. So like even getting Jamison back for like the last 10 games, is a major upgrade from what you had in him last year. And while you don't have Chark's 11 games, you do have Marvin Jones. You do have Antoine Green. Like you do, you did add Sam Laporta. You did add Jameer. Like I'm not as concerned about the receiver room as, as the collective, I think, fan base tends to be right now because they, I think they have an arsenal of different weapons in where they can go. Are they lacking a superstar beyond Amon Ra? Yes, but I don't think they need it. I like, I don't think that's their approach there with, with the way that Ben Johnson runs the offense and the way that Jock Goff executed by spreading the ball around, they want to have just a variety of options as opposed to like, you know, two or three, like, you know, guys that are, you know, hands you know uh, head and shoulders above the rest and you're gonna get jmo back at uh, at some point so i'm not as concerned as everyone else is i think it, it's it's not far off from where they were last year with the receiver group with all the injuries that they dealt with throughout the season i i agree with everything you just said eric if i can um take jeremy's role and be a little bit more devil's advocate slash wet blanket whatever you want to call it I do think I understand where the anxiety comes from because, you know, you mentioned Amon Ross, uh, 16 out of 17 games. There's that three game stretch. He doesn't play in Seattle. Lions score 45 points and note score. I don't know. Just ball that up and throw it away. Um, <laughs> that, that whole game, right? Uh, the, the quote unquote, Barry, 
bury the game tape. Like that might have been one where like the offense wants to keep it around, but the defense certainly doesn't. But those next two games, right? He tries to play through injury versus New England, and that game's just a house of horrors. They don't score any points. They get shut out. The following week versus Dallas, remember, one catch, and he gets injured with a concussion, and he's out for the rest of the game. That game, another game where the Lions, they put up six points. So, like, you, you have this stretch where Amon Ra isn't very effective, and the offense just looks like that over those, those two games where Amon Ra is, you know, dealing with injury and then gets injured early in the game. I guess that's – I think that's maybe where the fans' anxiety comes from because that was like a prolonged stretch of where Amon Ra less and this is what the offense looks like. Okay, and then I'm going to counter to you this because I, I agree with that. That's a good point. But the, the, uh, the counter that I have is you could do this with almost every position that you have out there. You know For what sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, I, I mean, that, if, if, if Taylor Decker goes down – and you're using Matt Nelson. This is this. I, that's a bigger drop off, in my opinion. Like, and no one's being, you know, no one's talking about trading for a tackle. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, like, I, I'm just saying, you can't have like three superstar wide receivers on a roster and a superstar at tight end and a superstar at like, like, you have to be able to spread the wealth and you have to be able to spread your resources and the way that this team has chosen to operate is by having a lot of bodies and depth because they know it's an injury uh it's an seasons are filled with injuries and i think anytime you have a superstar at a position like like an amon ra there's always going to be that anxiety that if he goes down and there's because there's going to there, there's there's going to be a negative effect if a superstar goes down. Right. But I mean, I just I think the receiver position is being more focused on because of the because Jamison's Williams suspension it has caused a little some anxiety. I think if Matt Nelson was suspended for six games. Would we be having the same conversation? Probably not, right? But JMO is just such an a intriguing and uh, I don't know what's the right word. He's he just he potentially exciting, like potentially explosive, right? But I mean, he he caught like just mentioning him creates anxiety in some people. So it it creates, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like it's Both just. Worthy. He's so dynamic. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's, thank you. It's it's the fear of the unknown, right? Because right. Jameson Williams is an unknown con- commodity right now. And and I think the reason why, too, like, because I agree, Eric, like, you can't have superstars everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing that's happening right now is you see so many wide receiver names, like, just add Cooper Cup to the pile of guys that we just talked about, the, you know, Jeremy, the Hunter Renfro, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these other players. Well, these players are dangling out here. They're for the taking. Go get it, Brad Holmes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's where kind of like buyer beware comes into place, not necessarily with those players, but it's like there are other places that you kind of want to shore up things and make sure that you are, you know, more stable at and, and, and you can, you know, ride the rocky waters of, of an NFL season. I, for one, think the wide receiver position is for all intents and purposes pretty fine because I believe in Ben Johnson. <laughs> that, no, you, really. You, you took my last point right there at the end there because I was going to say like there. I think part of the reason too is not not just that Jamison Williams is unknown, that Sam Laporta is an unknown, and Jameer Gibbs is an unknown, and these are guys that are right. projected to have very significant roles. 
but the ultimate equalizer of all these you know question marks and and depth concerns is you have ben johnson who made brock wright look like an offensive weapon last year like i'm not trying to, to to slam brock wright but he made something out of nothing with that tight end room he's made khalif raymond a a the second leading receiver last year like they're going to be okay they're going to be fine because yeah. ben johnson's there yeah khalif has uh has the best ability on the team true availability oh wow I was, I, I, <laughs> yeah I was waiting for nice. ryan to jump in there and you, you took it from him i was oh. waiting too he he hesitated ryan <laughs> no i oh I, I got faked out i thought it was going to be about his ability to gain separation, separation. yeah, yeah. No. wow no he's uh, healthy for all 17 if eric would have said that the best ability is separation we might have a fight on our hands <laughs> <laughs> um all right thanks for the question dan appreciate you buddy uh next on the line we've got jacob waiting nice and patiently our, our good pal big j shaky what's going on jacob hey y'all i appreciate y'all uh after spending so much time together still doing this that's really nice for us and i have to say you sound a little more spry than you did on the post july 4th call so i'm glad y'all are, are feeling right this morning appreciate that man i have a bit of a lions adjacent question i guess but i think it does connect to the the playoff picture and, and just kind of the bigger scope of the season so you know things never totally work out in the nfl the way that we expect but i feel like there's a somewhat consensus that that six nfc playoff teams could go something like the 49ers and Seahawks, the Eagles and Cowboys, the Lions winning the North, mystery team winning the South. And then I feel like there's a real question mark as to who that seventh team is. You know, I, I don't totally trust the Giants. You all have talked about the Packers kind of being your second favorite in the North, but I'm not really sure they feel like a playoff team. So I'd love just to hear your thoughts on if things do shake out that way, who do you think that seventh NFC team might be? Good question, Jacob. Yeah, I think I think this is a worthwhile conversation too because if you're talking about that seventh team, uh, they're going to be playing the second ranked team in the NFC in the playoffs, and that could very well be the Lions. Okay, maybe I'm being a little optimistic there, but um, and looking too far ahead. But yeah, like I think you're right. There's there's a pretty clear tier one, maybe even a, a tier two of NFC teams, but that third tier is is and uh, like every year is pretty unclear at this point. So who do you guys like as maybe that? third tier of, of nfc team that maybe we're not talking about enough or that has a legitimate chance at one of those wild card spots or maybe even winning a division let's go to eric first this time all right just to, just to to clarify we uh we said 49ers and seahawks from from the uh yeah. from the west two from the and west then, uh eagles and eagles and cowboys two from the east and then let's call i'm going to say the saints win the south just for you know, so we have a team there. Um, and so then it becomes a lie. Okay. So my guess is I, I do think it's probably the Packers that are probably at team seven based on the rest. Like it's going to, it would be between the Packers and the giants. I'm not sold on the giants. I, I, I we've talked in previous uh, podcasts about the Packers defense, maybe being able to carry them a little bit. I think they're going to be right on the fringe of being like 500, and that could sneak you in to a uh, to a you know a that seventh wild card spot. The sneaky team, like a sleeper team, 
Actually, I'll hold on to it in case one of you guys pick it up. But I'll go with the Packers as the seventh. And then I have a sleeper team that I, I think could make a push for it as well. But I'll let you guys chime in first. What do you think, Ryan? All right. I, I know that, I don't know, you look at the NFC South, and I think I think a lot of people would say, hey, this is the weakest division in football. And it very well might be. But I guess we're just throwing stuff against the wall here to see if it sticks. Um, as like that third you know, that, that, that seventh team, right? Um, the Falcons? Can the Falcons maybe sneak in? Like, I, I think about how they overperformed last year, and then I think about how, you know, they make the Bijan pick. If they can catch, you know, a, a flash in the pan, because maybe, maybe the Saints win it, or maybe the Falcons win it. One of those two teams, maybe, what if they sneak in a la like the Giants did last year? Um, albeit, I mean, they weren't the third team, you know, they won't be the third team in their division to make it. Um, I, I think there's part of me though, that also thinks like Dallas and Philly, like it, it should happen, but it doesn't mean it will, you know what I mean? Like it, it seems like a slam dunk, but it doesn't have to happen. Um, it, I don't know. I, I, I just look at the Falcons and I look at the way that they're built and I look at how, you know, if they can get some things short up on defense, they have like a run game that could get them there. They have they have weapons. They have Drake London. They have Kyle Pitts, of course. Um, it, it's a quarterback question, right? Um, but they they also they get to play the AFC South. Um, look, you know they get to play the NFC North. So there's there's some opportunities for them to win some games there. And then they play in you know the NFC South, where you know they're going to have six games to to make hay in their own division too. So. I, just from a scheduling standpoint and getting that superstar player in Bijan, maybe the Falcons might be that team. I'll, th- I'll throw them in there. Well, it, it's interesting you, you bring up the Falcons because I thought maybe that was going to be Eric's sleeper team. But they fall into the same category as I think a lot of these third-tier NFC teams, which is what you mentioned. It's the quarterback question. It's sure. yeah. how, how, how much can that quarterback carry them? Um, the Washington Commanders are another team that I think are right in that category. They were a pretty mediocre team last year. Not great, not terrible. The NFC East is always really, really difficult to predict, but Sam Howell, like, I don't know. I don't know if Sam Howell is going to carry that team as far as they need to go, but they got a, a, you want to talk about a team with good offensive weapons, you know, John Dotson, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas. And then defensively, they were a really, really good defensive team last year. They were. They were really good. It, it, but I think the question marks about the whole Chase Young thing, it, it, it makes sure. it even more. And I know he wasn't I mean, he wasn't playing a whole lot last year either. So, yeah, I, th- they were the other team I was thinking of too, Jeremy. Yeah, and then, I mean, and then the Rams are kind of like the opposite problem where you have a quarterback who's probably being underrated and forgotten about because he was so injured last year. Uh, but the rest is a question. Like you have a bunch of roster that you've, you've overhauled. You still have a couple superstars on your team that could be enough to carry you in a bad conference. The problem is that division, right? Like you have two, two Super Bowl contenders in that division and, and will, will three teams make it out of the West? I, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I think all these teams kind of belong in that same third tier conversation. I can see anything going in any direction. I, I agree. I feel like you just explained Matthew Stafford on the Rams <laughs> sounding a lot like his time in the Detroit Lions. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Eric. Did we uh, not mention your, your secret team? You didn't. Um, and, and it's another. Oh, I already know who it is. It's another South team. It's the Panthers. I, I knew it's it. It's the Panthers. Yeah. Yep. Because oh, I love the, the South Panthers. is so bad that like yeah. anybody can come out of it. 
right? Like the Falcons could be, end up winning it. The Panthers could end up winning it. I picked the Saints just because I think they're the favorite. But like the Saints may not even. It could. We could see the Panther either of the Panthers or the Falcons just win that division outright. And I think because that division is just weak and they you know they play each other six times, like anybody any of those teams could end up being like a surprise team that ends up you know making the playoffs and maybe you know uh host except, a game except the bucks yeah the, the bucks are terrible yeah. but yeah but the panthers again fall into that quarterback question right how is well, Bryce you Young going to be right away well that's the thing like right. i'd take brace young over any of the other quarterbacks on those teams we were just talking about right like that's i'd take him over the right and so like i think that could be the thing that gives the panthers a slight edge over the other uh, tier three guys teams. Wow. Derek Carr erasure going yeah. on well, well. in the Twitter spaces. <laughs> you've, you've watched Derek Carr, right? I'm just, I, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, for sure. The, the one, the one thing I'll say is of those three offenses, I almost want to say that I, I probably trust like Arthur Smith and that Falcons offensive line is pretty oh, sure, darn good. Sure. You they know, were the so, best running team in the league last year, right? Weren't they yeah. number one? Yep. I think. So uh, you you put Bijan in there and all of a sudden yeah. it's like whoa pants off. Oh yeah, right? no no for real. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think any of those three teams it, it could be surprise teams yeah, because the t- division's a big question mark. But before before we had the break, I have to do this, and and I'm surprised Ryan didn't already bring it up. But like, is there any chance the Bears make it into that conversation? No, no chance. I, no, I I, 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 have no, I do I have still no think confidence that the Bears are going to be better than the Packers. So I, I look, okay. Is there a chance? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jim Carrey, there's a chance. Okay. But <laughs> I, I think they're the worst team in the, in the North. I know that you guys are on the Vikings train for that, but uh, I still think the bears have the longest, the longest uh, path. I still think they're ultimately a year away, but this year matters yeah. so much for Justin Fields that if Justin Fields isn't it this year, it's weird, right? Like if th- if this year isn't their year to like take a step forward, mm-hmm. it's probably because of Fields. And if you're not making that step forward because Fields isn't making it, then all of a sudden you're really far behind. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair way to put it. I I do think Justin Fields is dynamic enough of a player, even just as a rusher right now, where I, I just feel like I, I keep saying it. The range of possibilities for that team is so wide to me for 2023 that they could be a five and 12 team. They could be yeah. a nine or 10 win team too. I, I, I do think that's within the realm of possibilities for them. Um, it just, it all has to come together in one year. And as we've seen with the lions, that takes time. That takes time in season. That takes time in terms of, you know, pulling yourself out of a crater in terms of talent. They got it. They got a head start with being able to trade out of the first round, the first overall pick and, and a ton of free agency money. But, uh, the game isn't played on paper. You got to build that chemistry. And I, I th- again, I just, I think they're a team that's going to have a really good second half of the season. I just don't know if they'll be able to keep their head above water in the first half to, to be a competitive team. Yeah, the, the, Here, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to make a joke that the key to, you know, being successful in the first half of that season, they have to commit themselves like Ryan Poles, 60 hour work weeks. <laughs> oh man. Off season. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't even feel bad for him at all. Um, <laughs> Listen, um, here's the the biggest concern for me is not if Fields is going to be productive. It's going to be if Fields is healthy. 
because you can't run him the way that they were running him and keep yeah. him healthy. You saw him get banged up. And if you keep him in the pocket, just look at sharp analytics. What, where was he in the pocket rankings right at the bottom, right? He was the the worst one uh, of, of the guy of the 34 quarterbacks that were studied. So they have to be smart in how they utilize him if they're going to have success. And I'm not confident that they can keep him upright. Fair enough. All right, let's take a break. We went long on those first two questions. When we come back, we're going to get to more of your Lions questions here on Twitter Spaces live every Saturday morning. Come join us next week. We'll be right back. back here on twitter spaces answering your questions live every saturday morning here on twitter spaces make sure you're following at pride of detroit to get notifications when we go live uh let's go back to the line here uh we've got someone waiting waiting patiently the degenerate has been waiting welcome to the show man yep sorry did you just bring me up yep you're Uh, on excellent well yes uh i guess i must follow you on twitter and uh that's how i saw the space getting started i am admittedly not a detroit lions fan however uh i am a big uh sports better and uh the detroit lions i love the city of detroit for what it's worth but the detroit lions are on my radar um so i thought i'd hop in and maybe ask uh you all a question on what you think about a potential future bet um that i'm uh, gonna be placing and that would be the offensive rookie of the year jameer gibbs um he was 12 to 1 at one site i see he's now down to 9 to 1 um and i know it's tough to uh you know take anything other than a uh, uh a quarterback especially in such a heavy um you know quarterback class with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, et cetera, Um, but had some success with this recently. Got Garrett Wilson last year, and uh, I've got a – I've got uh, just a a knack um, for players that I think fit certain coaching styles or systems, and I really like what I saw from Jameer Gibbs uh, on the – in Alabama, and I also really like what I saw from the Lions games that I did watch this season – um, was how often I felt, and I could be wrong here, and that's why I'm asking you guys, that the uh, the Lions like to uh, to feed their running backs in the red zone. Um, I feel like every time I looked up, one of your running backs was getting a touchdown, um, and maybe that's because you know Jamal Williams and Swift are just that talented, or maybe that's because you don't trust Jared Goff that much in the red zone, which I totally uh, would understand and get that. So uh, my question, you guys, is this, because I feel like there was a little bit of controversy with that pick, whether it was too high or whether it wasn't the position of need. Um, but do you think and, and, and if anything, I kind of hope that that was the case, because if you're going against what the fans think, then I think there's really something there in the front office or with the coaches <laughs> where that's their guy. They really want him. And now if you've got a pissed off fan base, if anything, there's just going to be more of a reason to say we want to show you why we want this guy and showcase that talent. So I feel like Gibbs is going to be a really important part of this offense. I think he's going to get uh, hopefully not, you know, not just rushing attempts and yards, but I think he's going to score a lot. So that's my line of thinking. um, And, uh, and that's all I've got. So I'll hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, no, uh, you have, 
come to the right place, by the way. We have been hyping Jameer Gibbs up all offseason. Um, and it's fun. We've hit, This is the second week in a row we've had a, a non-Detroit Lions fan call in, and I, I love this um, because I think, Ryan, we, we've discussed this a couple times about offensive rookie of the year, uh, you know, chances for a guy like Jameer Gibbs. And since uh, I know you've been known to place it better, too, on things like this, and, and you may have already <laughs> actually done this, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Yeah, great question. Great summation of kind of, you know, everything that uh, maybe an outsider would would, would see with the Lions. I, I can't disagree with it, right? Like, especially the whole idea of, you know, every time you look up at your television on red zone, it's a Lions running back who's going in the end zone. Sure, there were a lot of Jamal Williams short yardage carries, but even for as banged up as DeAndre Swift was last year, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, three receiving touchdowns and either four or five rushing touchdowns. Five. So Yeah, five. So five and, I mean, I mean, that's eight touchdowns right there from a guy who was pretty banged up all year. So, yeah, I mean, there is something to the fact that, um, you know, touchdowns are going to be they're going to be weighed pretty heavily in, in terms of uh, production and, and uh, deciding who the offensive rookie of the year is. Just looking back at years past, though, a, a couple of quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert. But outside of that, Garrett Wilson, Jamar Chase, Saquon Barkley. Alvin Kamara, right? That's a guy who we're always comparing um, the level of <clears throat> kind of production that might be expected in their in their rookie season to uh, Todd Gurley, um, you know, in 2015. I, I, I know that maybe you want to think, and, and I was like this too. I did place a, a bet on Jameer Gibbs. I placed a couple of bets on Jameer Gibbs. Um, as you mentioned, one, nine to one. Um, I got one at 10 to one as well. But I, I think the value is there on, on Ja just because of you you get those first six games without Jameson Williams and there's going to be a boatload of opportunities beyond that too. But I think it, 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 it accelerates how quickly Jameer Gibbs will be part of the offensive game plan. Like, I don't think that there's any like dipping your toe in the pool or, Hey, we can kind of spread the ball around to other people. I think it's going to be week one pedal to the metal it's going to be very reminiscent of like that Eagles game where it's like, we're throwing haymakers. I feel like that's going to be the lions offense week in and week out. And I know that they're a team that preaches, you know, adaptability and um, you know, that, that they can adjust to, to any kind of game plan and, and put that together based on their matchup. But I think Jaws, somebody's going to get a healthy dose of, of opportunities in Detroit. The only guy I can see would be Bijan, but I don't think that the value is there. Um, cause I, I think the last time I checked, he was either plus two fifty or plus plus 300. So if you can get jaw at like plus a thousand, I, I think those are great odds. Eric, let, let's hear you hype up Jameer Gibbs or, or maybe express <laughs> some caution, which doesn't seem like it's, uh, it's what's going to happen here, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. No, no, no. Let's pour some Kool-Aid out, right? Let's, 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 Thank let's just you. consume as much as we can, um, to, to, Get rookie of the year. He's probably got to go for 1,500 all-purpose yards and probably 10 to 12 touchdowns. And so I think the 1,500 yards is in range. I've gone on record in the past saying I think 1,500 is where he's going. That's going to be his marker uh, for the season. So if he can hit that 1,500, it really comes down to the touchdowns for me. And so this is a team at its core that doesn't mind running the ball. Um, They scored 23 rushing touchdowns. They scored 29 passing touchdowns. So, like, there's there's a really good chance for a running back to, to, to score points 
and it doesn't just have to be the power back. Like we, with Williams, they leaned on that because it worked, right? And if they find that like they can utilize Gibbs uh, on a on a Texas route, on a flat, on a on a, on a whole variety of different routes, like in, in the red zone, they're going to lean on that, and they're and they're just going to go to it because, in all honesty, I don't know who's going to cover him on a Texas route. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be uncoverable. And if you, if you get to like the 10, that's like an ideal spot to run it. They did. They, that's how they got touchdowns with Swift a lot. They'd peel him off into the flat or they'd run a text route over the middle. And then all of a sudden it's like no one, a linebacker can't hang with them, but you got to be at the right distance, right? It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like that year that Calvin broke the receiving record. Right. He had five touchdowns that year because he was tackled inside the one like a hundred times. If they end up like inside the five a lot, then Montgomery's probably going to be the guy that gets a lot of the touchdowns. But if they're like in that 20, that, that 10 to 20 yard range, I think that's prime time Jameer Gibbs touchdown range. It's going to be in. So if he can get 12 and 15, yeah, he's good win rookie of the year. No doubt. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it there, and and it's important to point that out. Which is, it, it's not, it's why touchdowns are such kind of a fluky stat to to really assess a player's skill set because it is so dependent on where they are on the field. And I think you nailed it. Like 20, 10, to, ten to twenty yards, it was like that with Swift too, right? Like Swift would still be in the game if they're in that range, but once they got inside the ten, especially once they got in the five, it was all Jamal Williams, and all of that is transferring to David Montgomery. They they are very compartmentalized in how they use their backs and, and for good reason, right? Like their offensive line is tough. And so when you're inside that five yard line, that's the best way you're going to score. That's the, that's the most, and it's not necessarily about the back back there. It's about the offensive line and the, the, the best guy for that job is, is Montgomery. There's no question about it. Um, the, the only thing I really want to add here is, you know, we, we've been doing our first bite series where we're talking to the college writers um, who covered these guys in, in college. And, Really, the the thing we heard most about Jameer when we talked about him, both with the Alabama and the Georgia Tech writers, is that like there's untapped potential there, right? At Georgia Tech, they weren't using him correctly. They never had, they didn't spread him out as wide as the Lions are going to, and that's the other thing. He is going to be a receiver almost more than he's going to be a, ru- a runner, I think here, especially in year one. And then Alabama, they had offensive line issues. Lions have none of that, and so I, in terms of like all-purpose yardage. I think he's probably going to lead all skill position players, all, all rookie skill position players. I really do. Um, and so I'm, I'm all aboard the hype train. It's just those touchdown numbers and, and they're going to be finicky. He could very well be the kick returner of this team too. There, there's yeah. a, there, there's an opening there. The question is whether anyone's going to return any kicks this year, just because of the new rules. But I, I, I really have a strong feeling that Jameer Gibbs is going to lead all rookie skill position players in, in all purpose yards. And I don't know if that's enough to, to win the award, but it would be enough if I was a gambling man to at least put a little bit on it. Yeah. The, the, the one thing I do want to mention to that last point you made Alvin Kamara's rookie season, 11 kick returns, 347 yards. So a 31 and a half average and he scored a touchdown where he returned to kick 106 yards. Yeah. yeah so that- I, it, it's the highlight plays too, though, right? So I mean, like, if he gets an opportunity as a kick returner and he and he houses one, that that sticks in everybody's memory banks when they're making yep. votes, right? And 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 the the explosive plays, I think that's what's going to matter. And when Ben Johnson is doing his magic, and I, I think that there is something too to what you said, Jeremy, about Gibbs being almost a receiver first and then a runner second. 
you know the carries are going to come. You know they're going to get him carries, so he's going to get sheer volume. If he's going to get that volume, you got a better chance at ending up in the end zone. And, and, and I think the other thing that the, the, the Georgia Tech writer really hit on uh, that we talked to Jameer Gibbs about was, like, he has that breakaway speed. And, and, and that, that's the thing that they were talking about in this offense, right? Like, you know, runs that went for four or five yards should have went for eight, nine, ten yards. Well, with Jameer Gibbs, maybe they turned into, like, not eight, nine, ten, but 30, 40, 50, he's on his way to the end zone kind of runs. That's 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 really where I was going. Like the the biggest thing that we had overlooked right before you mentioned it was that he has the chance to hit 80 yarders like because he's not going to get caught anytime, anytime. Right. Though, right. Right. Yeah. Right. That was the thing about Swift was that Swift had this incredible burst, but he he'd get caught with his long speed because he yep. just didn't have that extra gear. And like we haven't seen th- to, to, to put it in, in frame of reference for Lions fans, this is this is Javid Best level speed, right? Like <laughs> we're talking yep. about when he hits it, he's gone. Like like it, it's you're not catching him if he gets through and if he gets the right angle. And so that's he could he could get up with like two three touchdowns that way. You know what I mean? And if he does get those highlights and he's on, you know. Uh, if he's on the, for, on like the, I don't want to say, you know, sports that are in top 10 or just like whatever the, like the highlight reels for the fan that isn't watching lions games, but is like still like, you know, maybe making pro bowl votes or something like that. Like if they're watching like the highlight clips and he's hitting those big ones, his name's going to stick out there. It's going to be there. And if the offense is what it is and they see highlights from him, that's going to help his case. Cause really, I mean, a lot of these things are popularity contests, right? And, and he's got the potential to, to, to own that. Uh, hey, that's why Philly fans are still excited about DeAndre Swift. Cause they've seen enough big plays. They've from seen Swift the highlights that yes. they think that, well, he, he can just be that guy all the time. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, I, if you don't mind, I just wanted to tell you my takeaway from uh, from everything you guys said, which I think sure. is very helpful. Um, yeah, I uh, so that's why I haven't placed the bet. And I haven't done a lot of research yet, but I was, I think the, I forgot who said it, but David Montgomery, first of all, I totally forgot they signed him. I am a big David Montgomery fan. He runs very hard, and that's appealing to me. Um, but you're right. So that when you when you said if they get inside the five, you see Montgomery getting those carries. That's a red flag for me. And, the, and a big reason I'm kind of focusing on, on this for Jameer Gibbs is because when I was, when I was you know, uh, my Garrett Wilson ticket was in jeopardy, it was really because of Kenneth Walker Jr. And he had a stretch in the middle of the season uh, where I think he scored like seven touchdowns in four games. That's all really yeah. talked about. He had even one game. I think he had like 30 rushing yards, but he still scored twice. And that's what I kept hearing on like Sports Talk Radio, but he still scored twice. And then he ended the season, uh, I think like the last five or six games, not scoring. So that is, I agree with you on like a stat to, to evaluate a player. It's kind of fluky. Uh, but in terms of these awards, it definitely helps. So that's really with Jameer Gibbs. Um, I like how you were talking about the yardage though, because I kind of can see him maybe like a, or like a Travis Etienne or something like he'll be involved in like the past plays and really creative plays. That's what I'm assuming. Um, But you're right though. I'm, I'm going to make this bet hoping that he gets yards, but really more so that he gets touchdowns. So I think you made a good point. Uh, If anything, I'll be looking for like uh, if there's a yardage wager offered or something, but uh, somebody DM me about potentially Montgomery over, six and a half touchdowns i think that's worth a look um but thanks guys this was uh this was good stuff uh enjoy listening to uh lion stock good luck on the season appreciate that man uh thanks for, for your own insight too that and it's always interesting and fun to to hear the outsider perspective there and and yeah like 
with with I, I think that's probably what it's going to come down to, especially with a guy like Bijan, who you know we, we just got done talking about how Atlanta was the best rushing team last year. He's a guy that they're probably not going to take off the field when they're inside the five, so he could load up on those touchdowns. And so um, it'll depend on on whether Jameer can can find the, the enough of those home run hits to to really turn heads. You got something back really quick half, before we move on. Back half of the season, they play seven out of their eight games in a dome. That feeds into him mm. having the potential to be big play because that's he's just gonna I like he's that. gonna be like Kamara. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I'd like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, appreciate the question. Uh let's go to Twitter for our next one. Uh this one comes from Swag Kazakage, uh, which uh you'll be able to tell why that's his nickname based on the questions. It says two questions. Biggest offseason mistake for Brad Holmes. And actually, let, let's just stick with this one um, because the other one's going to be a little tricky to remember and, and pull things. So uh, biggest offseason mistake by, for Brad Holmes, example, uh, uh, losing Jamal. Um, so I don't know. Um, we, we can we can limit it to this offseason if you want or overall um, if there's if there's a mistake that that. And, and this is good to kind of offset all the optimism that we just got done talking about. Is there, is there a mistake that Brad Holmes made that is still kind of like sticking out to you as maybe not a long-term concern, but just something you wish he had handled better? Ryan. I'll go first. Oh, Eric, okay. For, for me, ahead. it's, it's, I feel like he didn't address the interior defensive line as, as, uh, effectively as I would have liked. Uh, yes. He spent a third round pick on, on Broderick Martin, uh, Broderick, uh, is it Broderick? I don't know. I keep messing that up. I'm Broderick Martin, but um, this is another nose tackle and a nose ha- tackle heavy room. Um, I was hoping to see an a, uh, a penetrator uh, that you could pair with a lean, uh, and maybe they're still hoping that Levi can come back. But I think you're putting a lot uh, of eggs in that basket uh, where you're. Levi about Levi coming back and then maybe a Liam taking another step. And, and, you know, I granted, I know that they use the, like the, some of the edge guys on the interior to create that interior rush, but I would have liked to, to have seen them invest a little bit more in the defensive tackle spot. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Middle of the first round. You know what I mean? Pick 18, right? Jet Campbell. You got some questions? I love the player, right? Like, I, I love the player. I love I love who he is as, as a person, probably first and foremost. Like, he has all this untapped potential that I definitely think is there with his athleticism. And he, he can absolutely – he can be a dude. Like, I trust Kelvin Shepard. I trust Aaron Glenn. I trust the environment he's in. To Eric's point, because really my, my concern is the interior of that defensive line – that Jay Campbell pick better hit because the next player that was drafted to the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers was who? Kalijah Cansey. If you if you took Campbell and you pass on Cansey and Cansey pops off and he's exactly who I think a lot of Lions fans wanted as far as an interior defensive disruptor. I mean that could be we could look back on that and be like, ooh, that was a miss. Like you you got a little bit too big for your britches. You really pushed away like not only like uh, you know p- positional value, but all, you also kind of like maybe like overlooked how much you needed help on the interior of your defensive line as well. So I I think that that could be the that could be the mistake that we look back on and say, man, that 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 was an oversight. 
Yeah, I, I think I think both of you bring up decent points. I, I would say as of right now, the the pick that I'm most kind of concerned about is is, is Jack Campbell. And, it, and like I said, it's nothing really to do with the player himself. It's it's the position. It's the the rarity of having such a game changing linebacker. I mean, there's four or five of them in the NFL that 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 really change the identity of your defense completely. And, 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 and on one hand, if you got one of those guys, wow, like that is a game. That is something that, that because it's so rare becomes so valuable, but how many times do we think, how many times do these general managers think they're getting that guy and they're not. And I'm not going to say one way or the other that, that Jack Campbell's that guy, but um, it's, it's, it's a very high bar for, for this guy to, to play. And, and we'll see, we'll see. Um, I guess the, I feel like I have to nitpick a little bit here because I, I do in general think that he's done such a good job, especially in this particular offseason. It's hard not to get excited about this particular offseason. But, you know, there, there were some guys that, that left in free agency that I was surprised about. And, and Jamal Williams is one of them, but I think they did a good enough job to, to compensate that where I'm not, not tearing my hair out about that one. But, like, Deshaun Elliott goes and signs a one-year $1.7 million deal with the Dolphins. And that could be a case where Deshaun Elliott didn't want to play here. You never really know. But I I would be a little bit more comfortable having some some extra safety depth there, with, considering this team is going to rely heavily on, on Tracy Walker, who's coming back year one from a very, very serious injury. Um, I know they have some guys that, that provide versatility, but if you're talking straight safeties, the next guy up is Afatu Melifanu, a guy who hasn't done anything in this league yet. Um, so I think a little bit more, you know, security there on the back end would, would be nice but again this is this is nitpicking like you know dj chark letting him go for a, a relatively oh you know not not big money and replacing with marvin jones that feels like maybe that is also kind of feeding into some of the anxiety at the wide receiver group that, that we were talking about but again this is all very nitpicky i think i think he's mostly done a good job i don't have anything where i'm just like this this guy's this is general managers heading in, heading this team in the wrong direction, right? Yeah, I, I guess the only question I have, and and maybe it's it's a team uh, building approach or philosophy, but what about the idea that yeah, I mean he's overhauled the cornerback room, but in what way has he done it long term? Sure. Like, right. Like I I think I'm fine with it in terms of this is kind of the Brad Holmes approach when you know Emmanuel Mosley and C.J. Gardner Johnson where it's like. It, it provides flexibility, right? Like what is, what is more important flexibility or, Hey, when you were in the draft, you had a chance at Christian Gonzalez a couple times and you pass on him twice. What did you do to like extend that room past this year beyond Cam Sutton? Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, I know we're trying to be pick. We're trying to nitpick negativity, but I think what they did was, they they allowed themselves the potential to re-sign these guys because they have a massive amount of cap space over the next couple of years, right? Sure. Yeah. And I and I think that's a, I I do think that 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 he, those prove it one year deals are going to be a staple of Brad Holmes for a while. I think the uh, the contract structure with the voided years is going to be a staple of, of the of what Brad Holmes is going to do, um, and so. I, he, I don't think he, he he overly wants to commit anywhere unless he like fully believes that like this player is going to be around at a reasonable price for a while. But um, it is it's it's hard to it's kind of hard to nitpick because everything that he's done 
so far has 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 made sense right um would i like him to use a little bit of the money that he has this year uh, on a on a you know maybe securing a, pl- a player in the secondary or maybe securing a, a, a player on defense uh, in the interior. Yes. At the same time, he's probably not doing that because he's hearing voices from his coaching staff saying, we feel confident in this. And, and the coaching staff sure seems like they're more confident in the defense than, than the outside observer. So it's going to be interesting to see it play out. To, Cause I think after the fact, it's a lot easier for us to, to, to look at what went wrong. And, and right now I think we're, we're just kind of speculating where we think it might go wrong. The, the great point. I totally agree with you. Like, I, I think that we are all in on, you know, this approach that he took through the draft. I think the thing that I'm trying to voice is that you can get cost controlled players for a long time through the draft. Right. Like, and, and, and choosing to go with positions like running back and linebacker, and a quarterback in the third round that's going to redshirt his first year when you're figuring out, hey, are we going to extend Jared Goff long-term? If we're going to be nitpicky, I think that's the that's the part to nitpick, right, is to go back to, like, those original feelings we were having when it was Jameer Gibbs at 12 and Jack Campbell linebacker at 18. Like, it was like, oh, man, like, he is flying in the face of positional value, and, like, we've come around to that, but if there's something that we come back to a year, two years, three years from now and say, man <laughs> – kind of kind of kind of swerved when he should have when he should have went the other way and and locked up some players at quote unquote positions of value for 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 long-term needs but again nitpicky right very nitpicky right and and context is always important too because yes exactly i I hate i hate to bring up an old wound for for eric but like Devin witherspoon would be a detroit lion if he wasn't a seattle seahawk and then we we have a completely different outlook of what this draft was so um you know, they didn't they didn't have their guy available at a premium position, so they went at a non-premium position. And it's understandable. It might not be conventional. It might come to bite them in the butt. Like, I was even looking at Alvin Kamara because he's the guy that we compare to Jameer Gibbs so often. Like, they gave that guy a monster extension, and he has not been good since. I mean, not been great since, I sh- should say. Like, it was like 80-yard receptions, 80, 80, sorry, 80 receptions, 80 receptions, 80 receptions, 80 receptions the, the fourth year of his career when he signed that deal – and it's been like 50, 40, like there was a significant drop off. And so that those are like, those are long-term concerns and, and yeah, we'll exactly. be having more yeah. of these conversations in 2026. Um, but like, it's something to keep an eye on uh, until then. But uh, let's, let's move on to our next question here. And uh, we're, we're going right back to gambling Ryan here. So, so get excited here. Um, Frankie Reno on, on Twitter asks uh, over under for wins for the lions and uh and other nfc north teams uh and and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the vegas odds for each of them and and i want you guys to tell me whether that's too high or too low so let's start with the chicago bears who are currently at seven and a half over under under man that's a good number um i want to say under but i have to stick to the brand i think i'm gonna say over just because they they <laughs> I'm going to say over because they get to play the Vikings twice um, <laughs> and they they have the NFC South. And they, have, and they no, have similarly, I... they have similarly situated opponents and all those, you know, you know, fourth, fourth, fourth place teams in, in their respective divisions. So they could sneak to eight wins. They could in a hurry. I, I don't, I just don't buy it. 
I just, I, I'm not sold on the Bears at all. Clip it, clip it. <laughs> just not, <laughs> just not. I mean, look, they have, the, when you're talking about sustainability and sustained success, you need uh, an offensive line that can keep your quarterback healthy and a defense. And I don't think they have either. And so I'm just not, I think they're a year away and they've got capital and they can be a team maybe in the future. I just don't think they're there this year. I don't think eight wins is, is on their agenda this year. They, they certainly have questions. I would say on the interior of both lines. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, yeah. that's a big deal. <laughs> that's, that's, it's not always, it's not necessarily how you, the only way you can win football games, but it is the most, I think, tried and true method is just having a good interior and playing bully football. Um, yeah. And so, especially you know, when you play in Chicago outdoors, right? Like, right. Weird, weird things do happen in the NFL, though. Do we remember Week One last year? Sure. They played the 49ers. Yeah. And I'm not, it was, I'm not it was a rain. It was a rainy, dumb game. I, again, like I, I think seven and a half is a good number. Like it could be too. seven or it could be eight. Yeah, I mean, I, I just said, what, 30 minutes ago, this team could win five games or they could win 10. And so seven and a half is like right in the middle there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a good number for them. I'm, I'm taking the under, but I'm not confident either way. Like that is, if, if, if I were a betting man, and again, I'm not, um, and I don't recommend that anyone else would be, um, even though we're sponsored by DraftKings. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would stay the hell away from this one. Let, let, um, let's, let's confidence rank these afterwards, okay? Okay, sure um green bay is next we're, we're, you know we're, we're actually lions are at what nine and a half can we all just say over and move on over yeah. over yeah. okay cool um all right green bay is at, also at seven and a half what do we feel about that one again again i think it i think it's a good number i would uh, maybe i'm just spending too much time with you guys but i i think i would take the over because of their defense yeah i think they're win eight like i think it's just over I think they're eight and eight and nineteen, in my opinion. Yeah, if you could take an adjusted line just for some juice, I'd probably go over eight and a half. Those might be some sweet odds. Yeah, nine and a half. The over is plus two seventy five. Just no, they're not really yeah. nine too and a half games. Too much. <laughs> ten, 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 ten might win the division the way that we keep on talking about this stuff. I, so, but honestly, I'm I'm feeling confident in the over here, and I, 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 I just I can't shake the fact that this team was pretty darn good with a very mediocre to bad Aaron Rodgers last year. Um, and, and part of it is the defense and, and part of it is a, a good running back, a, a offensive line that can withstand a million injuries forever. It seems like I just think they're built to, they're one of those teams that, that I think are built to where the quarterback the quarterback is not non-essential or anything, but they can win with very mediocre to bad quarterback play they, they can stay comp- i don't see a reason why the packers aren't going to be competitive in mostly every game this year okay so i i think that's the point right like that's the difference between the packers and the bears mm-hmm. and, and i don't want to speak out of turn but for both you guys you think their floor is higher in the first half of the season because admittedly they it, it could be slow start for the bears right that's what we keep on yes. saying it won't be such a slow start for the packers because their defense can make up that gap of maybe jordan love is, is getting comfortable kind of thing yeah, I think the Packers are going to be in almost every game. And I think the Bears, it's just a crapshoot every single game. 
like honestly like it could be they win it all or they win the everything or they just they fall apart every every week you know what i mean they just they're too unpredictable side note hey jeremy do you have the jets over under on there since we're talking since we're talking packers and and mediocre aaron Rodgers? uh yeah i sure do it's uh it's nine and a half the amount of people under. that think that he is going to just all of a sudden be the aaron Rodgers of old and and like they've dismissed how be- how like mediocre he was last year, is baffling to me. They're like, oh, the with with Aaron Rodgers, he's you know he's the greatest and he's going to be phenomenal. He's what if he's average? Can that team win nine and a half games if he's average again? Like I don't know, I just don't see it. I'm just, <laughs> it's it's weird the narrative. It's maybe it's just the New York teams or maybe it's just it's, like yeah. the market. You know what I mean? But like. They, it's it's like with Philly and Swift, like they just assume he's going to be this guy that is the best version of himself at like you know sixty seven years old. So I don't know. I just uh, n- not okay. not to get too Sorry much to... talk on the Jets, but I think I think part of it is like they were a seven ten team last year with a, a really bad quarterback situation, right? Like mm-hmm. awful quarterback situation, and so even a mediocre one should raise the bar there but i think the maybe it's it's kind of also a very weird very sketchy seven and ten season because they lost Mm -hmm. their last seven of eight like i think i i I don't think they were as good as a team as a record was and so i think they have a higher hill players yeah but they do yeah yeah but not it's like yeah all right sorry to distract us from yeah it's fine yeah, no, they, they they don't have the Pepsi Zero Sugar Defensive Player of the Year on their team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it's okay for us to talk about the Jets because the Vikings conversation is going to be very short because they're over under set at eight and a half. So right down the middle, eight and a half, eight and a half, a 500 season is essentially what uh, Vegas is quote unquote predicting. So um, like, are they going to be the furthest team that hits the like furthest team away from their over under? Are they going to win four games? Maybe D- depends on if you ask me or if you ask Eric, because I think Eric has absorbed your Vikings fandom. <laughs> no, I think they're under eight and a half, but I think it's closer to eight and a half than like what you guys think it's going to be like four. <laughs> their defense is terrible. Yeah, but they it also got worse have, than last year. They they are they also have arguably the best wide receiver in the game and a quarterback that can throw with some accuracy, even though he's, you know, a caricature of a, of a real quarterback. And that's and so, why Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson won over all those Super Bowls. No, but they won eight <laughs> games sometimes. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's the thing is I, I think they're going to be a team that wins like six or seven. Like, yeah. uh, but I don't, I, I think it's going to be more than four or less than eight. You know what I mean? Like, but I think they're a six or seven win team. But the thing that's tough with their schedule is they are playing similarly situated opponents they mm-hmm. play the 49ers. Sure. They play the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, there's some tough games on their schedule where eight and a half seems just way too high. I, w- I would alternate total that under six and a half. It's, it still blows my mind that they are the second favorite to win the NFC well, North they won behind the, the division lines. last year. Crazy. Crazy, I, though. It, but, it's but context, right? Yeah. I mean, but, but that's what that puts, that's what teams, that's. Most people don't look beyond the fact that what were they last year, and then they're probably going to be, you know, or they're close to that. Oh, they didn't get as good, so let's let's drop them down a couple of games. But they're not like to to say they're going to go from like winning twelve games to winning four games is 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 bolder than the national narrative would take. I would think. Yeah, that, I mean that's true. And and listen, like 
I I'm playing the heel with the Vikings a little bit. I I, I don't think they're just going to win no, four not. games because you're no, you're not. because <laughs> no, because Eric is right. Like a good quarterback and a wide receiver are enough to again like get you competitive in most games. Um, but the thing that like I just I can't shake is how far behind they were in some of the games that they ended up winning last year. Like that is so freaking fluky. Mm-hmm. It was the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, the uh, the Colts, the Bill- right? Well, the, Colts the, the, the Bills game, was the Bills game too. too. I mean, shenanigans on the goal line. <laughs> the Colts yeah. game was more ridiculous because that team was a crater and they jumped out to like a twenty-eight point lead, and like that just that doesn't happen. First of all, you don't fall twenty-eight points behind the Colts if you're a good football team. You just you just don't. Right. And pulling yourself out of that, I don't think that that suddenly like oh actually you're a good team. Like no. That was yeah. that was Andy imploding. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yes. Jeff Saturday isn't walking through that door. Okay, not, <laughs> right. you, I don't think you're going to get layups like that this year. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Like six win team probably. That that'd be my legitimate guess. Is I think the Vikings are going to be a six win team. All right. Conf- good. Confidence. Do you want to do confidence, or we do, we have to take a break? Oh right. Which. Okay. I'm most what, what did you want us to do? Okay. You go said ahead, you said you want to do confident. I'm most confident in that the Lions go over. Over their predict. Over nine and a half. I'm oh, man. over nine Yeah, and a half. I think I am too. I think I am too. Like I'm most confident in them going over nine and a half. Um Which I just obscene. Like how absurd is this that we're talking? Like I'm just like let's stop. Let's Comfort, pause and comfortable think about being this for uncomfortable. A <laughs> Thank yes. you, Jeremy. Uh, no, my, no, way, way, way more confident the Vikings not winning eight and a half. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> way, way okay. more confident. Okay. Fair. Okay. Eric disagrees, but. I, I do. I still think I'm more confident with the Lions. <laughs> I, I think the one that I'm legitimately the least confident on, though, is the Packers total. Like, yeah, I, I, I get the whole high floor maybe argument of like, yeah, their defense will get them to, you know, close to that total at least, but. Um, I, I I don't know. I feel like the least confident just because of Jordan Love being such an unknown commodity to me. And you said this earlier, Jeremy, about Fields. Athletically, you know you know what he can provide week in and week out. And I know they're going to have to take some off his plate to, to Eric's point about keeping him on the field. But you, you have that dynamic of an athlete and you get DJ Moore out there. Uh, there are a lot of questions, but I, I feel like – I, I feel like they're going to be closer to that total, or I, or I feel more confident that they'll be closer to that total than the Packers will be ultimately. I don't know. That's just me. All right. Fair enough. Let's take a break. Uh, when you come back, finalizing our show here with more calls. We've got a big queue of callers here, so we'll try to get through to as much of them as possible when we come back here on our live Twitter spaces every Saturday morning. We'll be right back. Closing things up here on the Twitter Spaces call-in show. Again, as a reminder, we do these every Saturday morning. Come join us over on Twitter. As long as it's still around, maybe maybe we'll be doing a Threads space in a couple weeks. Who knows? Uh, but let's while this is still live, let's use it. Uh, we've got our next caller. Ian has been waiting quite a bit of time, so appreciate your patience, Ian. Welcome to the show, man. Make sure you're unmuted there. There we go. I'm unmuted. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, right. sir. 
Well, I'm calling in from Chicago. Uh, I'm, I'm a lifelong diehard Lions fan here in Chicago. I've been here 17 years. So I, I wow. have a lot of smack talk back and forth with Bears fans. <laughs> I listen to all you guys' content on podcasts, so thank you for that. Of course. Thanks for the compliment, man. So we always go to the Bears-Lions game every year here at Soldier Field. And I sit 50-yard line behind the Lions bench. It's the only game I go to. This year, I'm planning on coming to Detroit for the home playoff game after they win the division. <laughs> so I was listening to the talk about gambling and all the odds. What do you guys think about Lions to win the division at plus 125? Should I lay the farm on that so I can come in all expenses paid? <laughs> oh, man. I love this. Yeah, I love it. This, this is, is a great show. show. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be part of the podcast on, on Monday this week. I think there, uh, this, that was going to be your opportunity to talk all the gambling stuff while I was gone. Um, I but know. Now, now, I mean, this is a really interesting question for me. Because to me, like I've, I've said throughout the entire offseason, I think the Lions are the clear favorites. Not that I'm the unique in, in saying that, but I'm almost surprised at this point that they're not like minus territory when it comes to betting. So I would never bet the farm on anything because especially like a future thing. To me, future stuff is just so hard to predict. Um, there's so many intangible things that you just don't know at this point, whether it's injuries, whether it's, you know, the schedule looks really easy now, but come – you know, October, it's like, oh, actually, this was the hardest schedule in the NFL. So I would never bet the farm on anything. But, Ryan, I'll let you, as, as someone who is maybe a little bit more easily swayed by uh, gambling odds and things like that, um, what what's your confidence level in the Lions winning the division, especially with those odds? Plus 125 feels – it feels – too close to even to me to lay the farm on because of the reasons that you just said, Jeremy, like there's, there's too many wackiness. There's too much wackiness to the NFL season. Um, Like the unhinged me would be like, yeah, uh, Ian, throw your mortgage on it. Uh, We'll see you in Detroit for that home playoff game. uh, And you'll be having the time of your life. You'll be in the the best Airbnb (laughs) Detroit has to offer. Yeah, for sure. I I, want to kind of like reframe this question to, to Eric though, in the sense that like, and I, I'll have the odds pulled up right now, and maybe Jeremy can work on pulling these odds up for adjusted win totals for the Lions. But would you feel more confident in putting a bet on the Lions to win the division at plus 125 or having some more juiced odds to them winning, like, over 10.5 games? I think the division is a safer bet, right? I think um, I agree. I think I agree it's a safer bet, yeah. And for me, uh, who has a mortgage and, ch- and children, responsibilities. I, I be, yeah, I, I would be. I'm I'm a little less hesitant. I, I'm uh, I'm not as confident as I was in my younger days with uh, with my uh, with with you know the bets that I make. But um, I would say the division is more confident. Like. <sighs> I, I mean, I guess it depends on the odds and how comfortable you are. But like, ten games wins the division. We, we've been saying, right? And so, like, I, I think you can get to ten. Can you get to eleven? You know, eleven means what? You went, you lose six games. It, well, I, I wanted to ask because you and Jeremy both went through the schedule really early on, right after it came out. And yeah. You both said twelve wins, right? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was hard to keep me off of 14 to be honest, <laughs> because like <laughs> we, because, Eric was too close in proximity to week 18. <laughs> I, yes. Like, it, it, it's, like the thing is, is my process each, every time I evaluate a Lions matchup is how do they, how can they win? Right. So I go into every game thinking, how can they win? And so I think they can win every game. Like that's, just, that's my ridiculous mindset. Um, but realistically like they're, they're going to lose a couple games that they probably should win they're, they might win a game that they should that they should lose and so i think 10 but in even if but Week even if one. those things happen i think 10 right like it absolutely could happen like they they almost beat casey with a terrible team a few years back right like so who knows i if i'm betting though and i'm betting a significant amount of some i i'm looking for the safer bet than i am for like the uh trying to get that right. extra juice that's just just me though. yeah you know, I think I think to me the safer bet is is just lines over nine and a half wins. The the basis thing it's at m- minus one twenty though, so it's obviously not as good of a payout as just winning the division. Um, DraftKings, which is the only odds I'm going to publicly announce because I think I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to only say them. Uh, they don't offer an over ten and a half bet. They over they offer an eleven and a half over, mm. uh, is, which is, is a that- tough one. Is that like plus two something? Two seventy five. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go plus one twenty five of the division. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's maybe if you're talking overall value bets, then maybe that's the better one because I'm a very much play it safe guy. I would rather take the minus one twenty over nine and a half wins. But listen, I, I I I do feel strongly that the Lions are the best team in the division, and it might not be particularly close. The only thing, like even if the Lions are healthy like if if there isn't a major injury to the lions the only thing i can see throwing a wrench into those plans is that jordan love is is the next guy and i just i i'm not willing don't to do be- this don't I'm do not this jeremy willing to believe that the the packers have struck lightning three times in a row i'm just not and that's where I'm at. I, I hate this conversation now so <laughs> thanks for the question ian i hope you have a great time when you, when you come to detroit i oh, love it absolutely. i love it He's gonna it's watch. On, the, it's he's gonna watch I'll, I'll let you guys Chicago. know where I'm sitting, where I'm staying, and, <laughs> and where the after party is on me. Yeah, enjoy <laughs> enjoy all of your extra concessions too that that you'll get to buy and and couple jerseys, all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's gonna be big. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate Thank the call, you. man. Um, next on our line, we got IOW Sports waiting in the wings. Thanks for your patience, buddy. Welcome to the show. Make sure you're unmuted there. Yeah. Hi. Hey. There you hey, go. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? Uh, my question, kind of question slash comment, but um, I just wanted to know. Yeah, you're welcome. I just wanted to know. So, you know, with the Ben Johnson attack, everybody's talking about how well he does with the offense. And I guess you guys have mentioned something about what he did with Brock White. Should we be more worried about the kicking? Than the offense itself because we get in one of those games where we need a 55 yarder, 60 yarder to win a game. Uh, we have enough good enough kicking to win the game. I think that's something we should be talking about and worried about as Lions fans. It, it, it's a fair question to have um, for sure because listen, it, one of the things I've been saying is like this: if this team is going to make that jump to become a real contender. When you're playing real contender versus real contender, a lot of the times those games are going to come down to the last possession. And that means relying on your kicker. And yeah, I think the lines are still very much in a precarious situation. I mean, 
no team is carrying three kickers going into a training camp because they feel comfortable about their kicker <laughs> <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I think some of the struggles during OTAs and minicamp were a little bit overplayed. The, the days that we were out there were pretty darn windy. Um, so it was, it was challenging for, for Parker Romo and, uh, and uh, Patterson. Um, and we, and we didn't really even see Badgley do anything, but it's certainly not a good situation uh, to be in. So I guess, I don't know to, to rephrase this question to you guys, like what is your concern level about the kicking situation? Not so much about just having a good kicker, but how much it will impact this season. The, I want to, I want to kick it to Eric. The only thing that I want to say real quick is if you view like, I'm, cause they score points, right? So like, if you want to view the kicking game as an quote unquote extension or appendage of your offense, it's legit. The thing that I'm most worried about when it comes to the offense scoring points is when you have that kicking team out there um, and if, you know, IOW brings up the, the point of like, if they need like a, a long field goal, who's going to be the guy to do it? I don't know. I don't, is that guy on the roster? Eric. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I get, I get it. Um, I, I get the concerns and I agree with the fact that, you're carrying three because you're looking for a competition, but at the same time, you're ho- hopefully one of those guys rises to the t- top and it's not a, you know, backup quarterback situation in the preseason all over again. Right. Uh, where they're just all so terrible. You cut everybody. So, um, they've already done that once, by the way, this regime. No, I know. I know they, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> you, if you don't perform, you're gone. Like that's, that's, but that's that's also a confidence builder, right? Like because it tells me that this team is never going to stop trying to find the right answer, right? At the same time, the they should they had three old Lions game on, on NFL Network the other day, um, like three good ones, like from like the they had the Stafford shoulder against the Browns game, they had a, the Dallas comeback where he snuck it in, and I was watching like those games they were on in the background and I was doing other things. And the, and every time I kept finding myself that they were in like a tough spot, I kept finding myself saying, would Dan camp, what would Dan Campbell do at that spot? And he's so aggressive. I was almost like, yeah, he'd go for it right here. Yeah. Like he, cause he's, I don't think that changes. I, I still think he's going to prioritize keeping his offense on the field to try and keep control of the game. And he's trying to score six points every single day. Like, Ben Johnson wants to score 80. Like let, let, when he said that jokingly last year in the preseason, I guess we'll just have to score 80. That's legitimately, I think what he wants to do. Like, I think he goes in there thinking we're going to score a touchdown all the time. So I'm not, I, I I'm, I'm caught between this. Yes. The kicker is super important because it, they score points, but also I don't know if they're going to use the kicker as much as like every other team. Right. Because like, they may only use a kicker, but then again, it, you know, it's, I'm kind of caught between things, you know, yeah, like I, I get because that. You're, you're right. Like they're, they're not going to rely on their kicker as most, as much as most teams do. But to me, it goes back to the end of game thing and the end of half thing. Like yeah. this, this is a team where listen, when they're playing important games against good teams, that, that's the NFL. It comes down to the end of games. And we, right. we saw the good and bad with Michael Badgley in that last year. And I think, ironically, both were the, the Minnesota games, right? Like, he had a chance to kind of put it away, or at least, like, guarantee overtime against the Vikings in Minnesota. 
misses a kick and then has no, the opportunity to put him. it. Right. They didn't oh, even trust right. they him. Didn't trust they him. Him. The they didn't even one. trust him. Right. Because he had missed a couple. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, and then, and then he, in Minnesota, he, he ices it. Right. The he does ice one. it in the Detroit. Game. Yeah. 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 In Detroit. And so like, if, if you could have someone that you could just rely on there, if you, you had a guy that you were confident, not only from like 40 to 50, but like, even to make it so that if you are in this situation, you know, this, this Bill's Chiefs situation where you have 20 seconds to get in field goal range, man, it would feel nice if, like, you had par- if you had confidence in Parker Romo, who can kick from 60, to give you that extra, like, 10-yard range, that's, a, that's huge. It might not come into play every week, but if it's there when you need it, it's huge. And so, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I I am concerned. Like, if I had to put it on a scale of one to ten, it's probably like a six and a half, seven. I mean, Badgley was twenty of twenty four last uh, for the Lions last year, he, and he missed he the two misses were both like short distances too. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm not overly concerned. I still think Badgley has like the lead. Um, he doesn't have the leg that Parker Romo does, but. I don't know how confident I am that Parker Romo even wins the job. I mean, I know oh, he's got sure. the big leg, right? But like, and look, you were absolutely right. It was crazy windy in Allen Park a couple of those days that we were out there. And like they yep. were kicking the ball and it was just like airplane jet turned on and moved, pushed the ball off to the side <laughs> type of thing, right? Like it was, it was, it was intense. Um, but that didn't leave me with any sense of confidence. Right. So, uh, I don't know. They'll, they'll mostly play indoors. Maybe that's the most optimistic <laughs> thing that we can right. offer you in the kicking situation is a lot there of indoor play games this year. There you go. Um, <laughs> it'll be fun to track it because we'll track it, right? Of course. We'll track how they're doing and we'll see and we'll track downs, distances, attempts. We'll track all that stuff. And hopefully it's 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 one of the things that we'll feel more confident on as the uh, – as the season plays out, but I have a feeling it's probably not. We're going to be feeling this for a while. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Appreciate the question. IW sports. Thanks for joining the show, man. Okay. Let's move on to, I guess this is going to be our last caller. We've, uh, we've made it through. Uh, Thank you for waiting as long as you have Justin. Uh, I know it's been a while, but uh, appreciate you holding on. Uh, Welcome to the show. Make sure you unmute yourself. still muted it looks like on my screen at least oh hey there uh can you hear me there <laughs> yep you're good sorry about that um yeah so my, so my thing is is uh we, we keep talking a lot of strength of the offense i think our strength is more the versatility of what we can do that nobody else does i think that the nfl is naturally going towards that nickel uh defense and i think that the the Lions have really been stepping up and been up ahead of that curve, getting the talent that they can. But I think that what they're even more of the curve of is that six-man front. Um, with the depth that we have on that offensive line, if you run a 21 personnel or you run the six-man front with the uh, split backs, I mean, it gives us so many options uh, and versatility of whether you do a play action, whether it's a pass, whether you just run somebody out to the flat, and then you got JMO to take it over the top What's your opinion on how much the six-man front is going to be used this season? Yeah, I, and that's a good question because it, it, it's something that was, I would say, certainly a, a bigger staple of the Lions' offense than a, a, a typical offense 
uh, in the NFL. They certainly like to go jumbo or, or, you know, three tight end sets, that sort of stuff. I know that's not exactly a, a six man front, but, but yeah, let me throw it to Eric. What, what are your thoughts on that and how big of a role it'll play this year? I, I think it's always going to be a stable because they want to be able to push bodies around. Um, and the question is, you know, who's going to fit that role best. That's always been uh, Matt Nelson's kind of claim to fame. Right. And that's, what's kept him on the roster for the last couple of years is because he's athletic enough to kind of be like a, uh, you know, flex out to that six spot. Um, I do think Graham has that flexibility. It's a little out of his comfort zone, I think, to not have a, not be in the trenches. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to utilize Graham, but I, I also think like Obi is a guy who, if he were to make the roster, he could be in contention because of his athleticism and his length. Uh, but he's got to improve in his run blocking. Could be, a, you know, if they keep Iafetti. Like, so it really, I do think it's going to be a staple. I don't know exactly who it's going to be. Uh, his history says it's 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 Matt Nelson, but um, it, it's kind of an unknown right now. I think I think that those reserve spots are, are unsettled enough that we don't know. But I do think the staple. Of, or the concept of it, it, it is something that they're absolutely not going to move away from because they want to run the ground. They want to run the ball on the ground and they have the athleticism and the knowledge to run a lot of different, you know, zone and gap concepts with these big athletic guys and it's effective. And so I, I don't see them moving away from it. I, I'm kind of curious if this becomes a bigger part of Lions offense, because we saw a little bit more of it, I would say at the end of the year, and it's not just a six man front, it's sending that offensive tackle in motion because well, that's that, to me. Right. And that, that, that's right. what I'm saying. Like, and, and they've used other guys, but like Sewell is so fun in that role and such an advantage. Like who, who mm-hmm. started it? Was it, was it the San Francisco tackle or was it an Eagles tackle? Like was uh, Trent, was it Trent Williams? Trent Williams was, uh, he was devastating. I mean, right. you, you put him in motion and Sewell has that. That's potential. what I'm saying. That That yeah. is exactly what I'm saying is like that to me is such a dangerous weapon. And now that you mm-hmm. at least put it in the back of the heads that that guy can also catch the football. Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you do that a little bit more often? I know the risk there is that you're putting a sixth offensive lineman out there that isn't Panay Sewell. And maybe it's Graham. Maybe it's, you know, Matt Nelson. Maybe it's someone else. Um, well, but but like that to me is something that I almost felt was underutilized last year. And maybe, maybe it's more of a, you know, a, a gadget play thing. And, and maybe they're not comfortable putting that six offensive lineman out there as much as often as often. But like when you have a guy, like even a guy like Halapuli Vati Vaitai, right? Like he yeah. can play tackle. Well, yeah, you could put Graham, Graham in at right guard, guard and then move. Yeah. Yeah. Vaitai to tackle. So we'll put him in motion. The trick. So there, there's a caveat with the, with the motion, right? Like he, Sewell can't, if once he's, once he is considered eligible, right, he can't yeah. just go back to being ineligible the next play, right? So you have to be, like, careful in how you use it, especially when you're using it with a starter. And so, um, like, he, 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 if he's eligible one play, he has to stay eligible, right? And so then you got – so you have to, like, stick with this concept in a series. Um so it's not like you can just like go back and forth willy nilly with, with, with Sewell. You can with like, like with Matt Nelson, you can put him out there as a six and then you can, he can rest him and then it resets him. But like with Sewell and being a starter, you got to be clever about it. So that, that's, yeah. so that's where it gets tricky. Right. But I still think okay. 
I, th- I still and, think Johnson's smart enough. You know what yeah. I mean? That he could, he, he can, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're good enough to run a six man series. You know what I mean? Right. Where they just run like six offensive linemen the whole way down and just be like, good luck. <laughs> Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on that? And do you have, do you have a, a favorite to maybe be that, uh, that OT three that, that would be so critical in these situations? Uh, I, I'm going to throw out somebody who's not an offensive tackle, but was the fourth most utilized pass blocking tight end in the NFL last year named Brock Wright. Sure. Uh, 77 pass blocking snaps. And as I mentioned, fourth most of any tight end in the NFL. And this is a guy who started, you know, the first half of that season before the TJ Hawkinson deal, uh, just around like 25 snaps a game. Um, on offense and then he jumps to 41 so me thinks that there's something to what you said earlier Jeremy about like we especially noticed it in the second half of the season like Brock Wright is not a small guy he's 6'5 260 like he's pretty he's he's bricked up like he's a big dude Uh, if they want to go quote-unquote big like he's he's an option like uh, he's not an offensive tackle by any means but like I think they envision him as a guy who can kind of be an extension. Like I think about the the joke about like, well, you know, mom, I want McDonald's. It's like, no, we have hamburger at home. Like I wanted Darnell Washington to do this. And, you know, Brad Holmes said, no, we have Darnell Washington at home. And it ends up being Brock Wright. It, I mean, it's, it's all fine, but for all intents and purposes, like I think that like Brock Wright could be that quote unquote extension but then you get to get super silly with it because you know that Ben Johnson can scheme him up and do super cool things like, I don't know, a 51-yard reception that goes to the house on fourth down to win a football game. So it, it's an interesting wrinkle that I think they can keep as a guy who they, tr- they obviously they, they trust him to, to do that for, for them, to, to be in those positions, to, to be a blocker. Right. And, I mean, it goes back to the original question here, which is like versatility and how much yeah, exactly. Every yeah. every position on on this offense really seems to be like you're versatile, right? Like even going down to center versus guard, guard versus tackle, tight end, inline versus you know out wide, wide receiver X, Y, or Z. Like all these guys are versatile in every position, so it does make them. I mean, it goes back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago that about what makes Ben Johnson special. It's it, it it's helped out by the fact that they have players that can jump into any role at any time, right? It, it, it makes his job a lot easier and, and able to run the same play out of different formations and different formations out of the same personnel when you have guys that are so flexible. And that, that, that goes from, from court, every position is like, it's, it's, except maybe your quarterback. It, well, it, it feel, like I keep on wanting to draw parallels to the 49ers, right? And like the yeah. 49ers have a running back who can play wide receiver yep. and Christian McCaffrey. They have a tight end who can kind of play like offensive tackle in his ability to, you know, George Kittle. Um, yep. and, and they have a wide receiver who can play running back in Debo Samuel. I'm on Ross St. Brown, right? Like if he gives that opportunity, they can use him as a runner. Like I, there's a lot of interesting parallels I see. And the, the Trent Williams thing, that's what made me think of it. Like well, yep. they use Sewell like that. Right. Yeah. And they both love fullbacks. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if Jason could been to his Kyle Juice check exactly. Oh but. no! Oh no! <laughs> Maybe a Lee McNeil is. <laughs> don't oh, don't make man. don't get Jeremy. me thinking about a Lee McNeil as a running back. Let's I know. simmer let's, down. Let's just Jim Harbaugh eight offensive linemen with Lee McNeil as a lead blocker and just let the Jared Goff hand the ball off to a running back and see if they can stop him. 
that's the easiest way to get Ja the touchdowns he needs to be an offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> and we have brought it full circle. Way to go there, Ryan. Appreciate you. You're welcome. You've given me the outro that I needed there. Uh, appreciate the question, Justin, but we'll call it there. Uh, thank you to, to everyone who hung out with us live here on Twitter Spaces. Again, if you want to do that Saturday mornings, usually around 9 a.m. Eastern, sorry, to our West Coast fans. Um, but uh, for, for our live audience, too, uh, we get to hang around and do a little bit of overtime here after the podcast ends. But for those of you listening on the podcast, appreciate you hanging around. We'll be continuing to do these up until training camp, maybe even through a little bit of training camp. So stick around. Uh, plenty of more Lions content coming your way, both on the website, prideofdetroit.com, and here on our podcast feed. For Ryan, for Eric, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. Be kind.